The most stressful question you can ask a Texas A&M fan right now, will the Aggies hold on to Terry Bussey? You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to y'all by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. It's almost Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Very exciting. But we have a pressing, stressful issue to discuss. So, Terry Bussey, the five-star athlete, corner, can play wherever you want him to play on the field. Committed to Texas A&M for a long time now, but we're getting close to signing day. And I anticipate, you know, um, I haven't heard his decision coming prior to signing day. I assume his final decision will be made on signing day, which is coming up here, uh, you know, relatively soon. So what's going on? Let's talk about it because this is this is once again this is a stressful topic for Texas A&M fans and right now I have a little bit of confidence and I want to explain so what what went on, what even brought me to this topic so yesterday former Texas A&M defensive back Jordan Gilbert posted a like a graphic and it was so it's like a text chain. So it says, Weston Davis, you come in two, question mark, Gabe Relaford, back like I never left, Cohen Eccles, welcome to your new home, Dominic McKinley, been coming home, Jordan Gilbert, home is where the heart is, and then it's Terry Bussey, and it says, wait for me. So these are, of course, one former A&M player and a whole bunch of former A&M commits doing this whole, you know, me too. You know, and... The reason that this graphic to me is a little bit like, what? It, I'll tell you why. And, and it's kind of because, you know, a lot of this, there's a new coach. Like, if these people didn't like Coach Fisher and they were like, yeah, we don't like Coach Fisher. We want to, um, you know, we want to go to LSU. I would understand that. But, you know, like, you could, there's a new coach. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who the dig's at. And it could, maybe it's not at, Texas A&M is it's it's not as much about Texas A&M as it is about LSU wanting Terry Bussey, you know, and that could be the truth too. But interesting graphic, uh, Texas A&M fans were having the field day with that one. <laughs> I saw I saw one and it was like a highlight of a play against Miami. It was um, you know where Jordan Gilbert didn't make the best play, and it was a little bit funny. But so when it comes to Terry Bussey, right now. My confidence, Texas A&M holds on to him as six out of ten. And you know, the thought behind this—it's pretty simple. There are two factors. You haven't, you know, at the time of this recording, 
seen any crystal balls in the favor of LSU or Georgia. Georgia's in the mix too, or Georgia. And then if you look at on three's recruit uh, prediction machine, they still give Texas A&M a 94% chance to end up getting Bussy. So, you know, I just feel like if Bussy was going to make the move to a different school, the chances there would be higher. Um, I do also feel like it's good that Terry Bussey still committed to AM. We see that happen a lot. Um, like the Ryan Williams kid, right? You know, so he um when 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 Coach Saban retired, he decommits. He ended up committing uh after taking a visit to Texas AM, he ended up committing back to Alabama, but he did it, you know, before signing day. And I think that was always his plan. It was like his birthday. Um, but and once again, I haven't heard anything about Bussy. As of right now, I am assuming he plans to announce his final decision at, on when, when he signs. So, um, but, you know, in, uh, another interesting conversation that could be had about in, in this recruiting battle, not only NIL money and all that. I mean, obviously this is all part of it too, but, how do these different schools plan to use him? You know, I, everywhere I've read, all the film I've watched leads me to believe that Terry Bussey is best suited long-term as a um, defensive player. You know, it's just that's how Coach Fisher's um, staff planned to use him. That's kind of where that was at. And looking at this, I, I get it. You know, I, I do get it. But, like, Maybe LSU said, hey, we'll give you a shot to play offense and defense. Or maybe Georgia said that. So he's deciding, you know, okay, well, this school wants me to play this position. This school wants me to play this position. You know, does that become a factor in the decision? I, um, I'm not, I don't know that. I just know that sometimes we see dual position guys do that because they're like, I want to go somewhere where I can get a shot of both positions because you never know which one's going to be the right one for me at the next level. Because um, once again, when it comes to Terry Bossy, I, I – I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's it's. I sound like the boy who cried wolf when, when I'm talking about how good film is because y'all know I'm I really like film and I'm quick to say the great film, great film, great film. Terry Bussey, I think, has some of the best film I, I've ever watched for a, a player in my entire life. Re- I mean, genuinely, like you know, every time Texas a and gets a commit, get has a kid on a visit, offer, you know, I'm watching 20 minutes of tape. And Terry Bussey's tape is some of the best I've seriously ever in my entire life seen. It is just incredible, incredibly good tape. So um, this guy got to hold on to. I mean, this is a guy who can compete, you know, in the secondary the minute he walks on campus as a freshman. And and if you told me that Texas A&M does hold on to Terry Bussey, and he starts next season. I'm not going to give you the whole. He's a freshman. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not. I, I think he can dominate right now. That that's just how. I mean, watching the All American game, watching him. I mean, even play receiver. I mean, watching him play receiver, he was dominant. So I mean, no one. This dude can play literally any position on the field except for probably offensive line and defensive line. I mean, like that's easy. Um. So. This is a must hold on to guy for me, you know. And I mean, listen, obviously, a five star recruit, I know nobody's going to fight me saying Texas needs to hold on there, but 
I just think this is this is more significant than a five star recruit. I think this is a future first round pick. You know, I think this is a future. This guy is someone that you want to play for, not you. You want them to play for you. You don't want to have to play against them. I don't want this guy to go to Georgia and go to or go to LSU and 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 the Aggies are playing him. You know, next year if he goes to LSU or in the future if he goes to Georgia. Like, no, thank you. I want this guy going to Texas A and M and playing for the Aggies. Um, so like I said, my confidence level that Texas A&M holds on to Bussy, I'd say it's a 6 out of 10 based strictly off the fact that we haven't seen a crystal ball and the fact that we haven't seen um, the on-3 prediction machine change. Normally, if it if it's becoming more of a toss-up, you'll see that go down to like 60% A&M, 20%. This school and this school, you know, kind of like that, but it stayed with AM. And, you know, so I, I got to trust those metrics. But this is going to be a battle, you know, and Coach Elko knows that. Coach Elko is not going to let up on this. He he knows what he needs to do to hold on to um to Terry Bussey. And once again, the last thought here is, and I've said it, but is the fact that he's still committed. I, I just, you know, you see a lot nowadays. The kids decommit and then they pick what they want to do. I, I think that says a lot. So I still am in the camp that Texas A&M holds on to Terry Bussey, but this is going to be a fight. I mean, tooth and nail, punches thrown left and right between the Bulldogs and the Tigers and the Aggies. This is going to be a, a real dog fight to land one of the best players in the 2024 class. But this is going to be important, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let me know y'all's thoughts in the comments. Do the Aggies hold on to Terry Bussey? I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on that conversation. We're going to get a little bold here. We, we like to get bold sometimes, but I've just I've got some different bold predictions for the season that I want to run through, and we will do that coming up right here on Locked On Aggies. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I haven't broken down what I'm going to do for the Super Bowl yet when it comes to betting, but I will tell you I'm rolling with the 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to win. Probably put a little bit of money on the 49ers and make like, you know, a big parlay from players, yards, touchdowns, stuff like that, um, which is the fun part about FanDuel. It's easy to use. It's fun to use all of the different parlays. You can combine them and do them easier. It, it, it's just the best compared to all the other co um, competition. FanDuel is the place to be. FanDuel has so many ways. You has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but you can also bet on which players score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and a ton more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the LockedOn Podcast Network. So let's get a little bold today, um, which I always, you know, it, it, there's never an excuse to not get bold. 
the first thing I've got here is I think that this in this one, this one's not as bold as some of those, but I, I just think Coach Colin Klein, you know, I, I would say that folks' confidence, you know, if being the best coordinator you can be is a 10 and being the worst you can be is a zero, I think a lot of people have confidence he can be like a six, you know, this year. I have confidence that he can be an elite play caller this season for Texas A&M. I mean, I really dug more into his offense this week and learned more about what he did, um, what, the way he runs things. And watching more into that, I just gained more and more confidence in how good Coach Klein's going to be at Texas A&M. And I talk about it a ton, and, and you hate to say it, I think Coach Colin Klein is a is the kind of guy you got to enjoy it while you got it because I think that he's two good years here away from being a head coach at a Power Five school. That that's how how talented he is of a coach and how highly I think of him. So um, yeah, he's a guy that you might not see hang around all that long if he does what he what I think he's going to do as a coach. Um, so that's my first bold take there. Next thing I got here is I think the secondary is going to is going to take a huge jump. I think we're talking, you know, from zero to hero. We're talking bottom to top type of type of flip. And that's purely based on what you've done in the portal. And then, you know, part of that has to do with hopefully holding on to Terry Bussey. Um, you know, the secondary is a position where a lot of the guys that weren't great are gone. And a lot of the guys that still have potential to be great that were on the roster last year are still here. So I think that, you know, you got rid of a lot of the problems. You kept a lot of the, of the players that can be solutions. And then you went and got the solution via the portal in a handful of talented secondary players. I just think, you know, a Des Ricks, a Donovan Saunders, these kind of guys, Will the Blanket Lee, these are the type of dudes that can just come in and, and really make a difference in this Texas A&M secondary. And another thing I keep saying, and I know it's kind of like it's not a great take, but it, but my, my thought here is like you've brought in enough guys that you can't swing and miss that many times. You can, I mean, you just can't. Like one of these guys, at least two or three of these guys are going to be pretty good. There's just no way. There's just no way you can go over, you know, over the world. I think that um, – I think that a couple of these guys and, and are, are all of them going to be great? No, we saw that last year. But could a couple of them be really, really good? Yes, and that is why I think it's so important to do what Coach Elko did. And when you are, you know, fixing a position group via the portal, don't be stingy bringing guys in. You know, hey, bring them, keep bringing them, bring them, bring them, bring them, because you never know who's going to pan out and who's not. So you know, use some roster spots, and that's why you know take some different styles of guy. Young guys that have three years of eligibility, older guys that they're they're one and done. You've got a ton different you can do with um, players like that, and that's why you know kind of making sure you have all different styles of portal player. Because I talk about it all the time. There's different styles of portal player, um, and, and making sure that at a position group of need, you really kind of get all those different phases. Then hey, if some guys are good, you might have them back for another year, or you could get a one year rental, or you can get. Um, Guys with a ton of eligibility or two years, uh, lower level guys coming up to play division. I mean, a power five football uh, transfers that maybe they didn't have the best career at a power five school and they're making the move to the SEC. They're um, 
there's you know different different types of transfers, and I think Texas A&M has all of those different kinds currently with the um, in, in the secondary for the for the the um, transporter class. So, um, I think that now this one, and I think I've kind of talked about this before. I, I think you know this one to me isn't bold either because I really think this is going to happen. I'm be honest with you. I think Nick Scorton is going to lead the SEC in sacks this year. I think what Coach Elko wants to do on defense, plus what we already know Scorton can do on defense, because he's proven he can do it. I just think that you're going to see him have a really good season. And it's going to be hard to improve on what he did last year at Purdue. But if he just puts up similar numbers than what he did last year at Purdue, um, you know, I think he's got a real shot at it. If he could, if he could add a sack or two, it would be tough to do. But in the SEC, you know, sacks don't don't come easy. So um, it's not going to be easy for Scorton. But I really do think he could lead the SEC in sacks, and that one wouldn't surprise me at all. So I've got one that kind of it's a it's a two level bold take. Um, the first level of it is Texas A&M can will win nine games. You know, eight is the number I feel safe right now. Nine is the bold number for me. And looking at this, I think nine wins. You know, you got to remember, this is more about the schedule than it is Texas A&M. Um, I think the schedule is just so easy that if, if you win the games you're supposed to and, and steal one at home, maybe you're not, nine wins is possible. So... Um, I think a world where Texas A&M gets nine wins is not hard to talk yourself into. I really don't think it is. Um, and if Texas a remember, you don't play Ole Miss. You don't play Georgia. You don't play Bama, even though, you know, we don't know what's going on with Bama. I mean, you know, you, you've avoided the top dogs a little bit, which is part of what makes this schedule so manageable. Now, you got LSU and Missouri, but you but you got them both at home. I'd rather honestly play LSU and Missouri than I would Ole Miss or Georgia, of course. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think I'm going to get a ton of pushback on that take. Um, and then the kind of flip side of that is if Texas A&M does win nine games, I think Coach Elko is going to be the SEC Coach of the Year. Um, you know, it's hard to deny. I mean, listen, if, if if Kirby Smart, the standard for him is so different now that it's like 12 wins, you know, they're not even going to give it to him anymore because that's what he does. I think, you know, if Coach Elko gets nine wins up on the board after, you know, what Texas A&M did last year in the regular season, first year, I think he could win the SEC Coach of the Year. I wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, and then the ne- the last bold prediction I have, and, and this one's going to shock some people because you all know my, my thoughts on this stance, but um, while I think Wigman will win the job still, of course, I will ride with that till the very end. I do think this is going to get drawn out and it could be a lot more interesting than we anticipate. In the offseason last year, I remember at media days, you know, I was kind of expecting um, – I remember the day that Jimbo went to do his 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 speech, Brian Kelly went. And Brian Kelly, you know, was, hey, Brian, is, is your quarterback going to be um, Jane Daniels? And he said, yes, I was turning quarterback as Jane Daniels. I thought you might see – Coach Fisher kind of announced, yeah, Connor Wigman's our guy. 
But um, you know, he he drew, he drew it out and, and let Max Johnson compete for, which is good, which is good for both quarterbacks, I think. But um, so what I'm saying is, I think you're going to see this quarterback battle get drawn out deep, deep into the off season, and it could be one where we don't know until oh, two weeks before the season starts who is going to quarterback the Aggies next season. So that's um, that's another bold thing to pay attention to. And like I said, I, I think Wigman's going to win. But I think you're going to see the um, this get drawn out really deep into the off season. We're going to talk a little bit about Texas A&M's matchup with the Florida Gators. This is a huge, huge basketball game. Florida is coming off a game where they just took down the Kentucky Wildcats in Rupp Arena. So. You know, this is a game to pay attention to, and and the Aggies are going to have to win if they really want to make a run at some stuff here. So we're going to break down that game coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. So looking at this game, to the two best offensive rebounding teams, the two best flat-out rebounding teams pretty much in college basketball and in the SEC. These teams are, you know, gritty, get to the rim and get rebounds, tap-ins, put-back dunks, kick it out to shooters. Um, You know, and I had the pleasure of watching Florida play last night. And, um, you know, being at that game, it was just like, this is a really weird – Florida is an extremely underrated SEC basketball team. I can confidently, confidently tell you that. Watching Florida play, they, they listen, they score the basketball. They're Ken Palm wise, one of the best offenses in college basketball. And then when it comes to the defense, not great, not great. But it's kind of a similar situation to. Um, Kentucky, if they score, they can beat anybody. But if you score with them, they can lose to anybody. Kind of like exactly what we saw with Texas A&M's matchup with Kentucky a few uh, weeks ago. But, yeah, this A&M and and, and Florida game is going to be a really intriguing basketball game for both teams. Listen, Florida's won four games in a row coming into this one. Texas A&M is looking to, you know – kind of get hot here, get going here, coming off, a, a, you know, Texas A&M can't get a streak going, you know, open up with a loss, then you and the, um, or back-to-back losses, get a win, get a loss, get a win, get a win, and a loss. Texas A&M wants to get, you know, a streak going, win a couple games in a row. Now, I will tell you, um, the Aggies' schedule got more difficult with how well South Carolina and Florida have been playing Now, both of these games will be in Reed Arena, which is is good to hear, but Florida and South Carolina are both better basketball teams than folks are giving them credit for right now. Um, I mean, listen, you know, South Carolina beat Kentucky at home and then went to Knoxville and beat the Tennessee Volunteers. And, you know, Florida just won four straight, just went to uh, Lexington and beat Kentucky and Rupp Arena. So, this is this is um these are these are better basketball teams than 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 you know I had kind of anticipated heading into the year. 
I mean, you get you get to go to Missouri, go to Vandy, and host Arkansas. Those are three very, very not good basketball teams. You need to win all three of those games. So, I mean, I think if you could find a way to take a worst-case scenario one of three in these games, Florida, Tennessee at home, and South Carolina at home, if you can go I, – I think that you, you really want to go two and three in those games. But if you can go one and three – and then you win the Missouri game, the Vandy game, and the Arkansas game. You know that's that's four and four on the um, month, and I I think you need to find a way to go five and three. Um, I think I mean it, it, potentially, and then remember your three games in March aren't much easier. You got to go to Georgia, a team that can play a little bit. You got to go to Ole Miss and then you got to host Mississippi State. Those aren't the, none of these games are going to be gifted, but you got to find a way to just scratch and claw and win some of these basketball games. Um when it comes to Florida though, like team-wise, they have a player in Walter Clayton Jr. who shoots the basketball extremely well, transfer player. Uh, he can really light it up. Transferred in from Iona. Shot forty three percent from from the three last year at Iona, uh, shooting thirty six point seven so far this season from three, and in the game last night against the Wildcats, he had how many threes did he have? Seven threes. Let me check on that. Pretty sure he made seven three pointers. So he's the guy. Yep, seven three pointers for Clayton. So he's the guy who can light it up at any point. You got to be ready for him. You got to know that he wants to shoot the ball. He has a really good ball fake that was getting Kentucky guards off the ground and leading to him, you know, getting a good look. So you got to not bite on the ball fake with Clayton. He's not a very tall player. Um, let me see what they have him listed at high wise. Six two, and I, you know, I saw him on the floor. That seems a little you know, six, two air quotes. So um, if you, if you can defend him well, if you don't let him, if you don't let him uh, shot fake you and get an open look, you can stop him. but they've got talented guards and they've got a couple talented guys down low in um, Tyrese Samuels, his name, I believe. Um, yes. Tyrese Samuel and then um, Micah Hanlocked. And so this is a big game. For the Aggies, I, I think you're starting to get to must-win category for some of these ball games. So it's one that if Texas A&M does want to make the big dance and, and have a shot to make a run, you got to start winning ball games like this. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Aggies. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day today. Almost the weekend, almost Friday. Lots to look forward to coming up. Everybody have a good rest of your day today, and we will see you tomorrow.